Hello and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. So if you haven't been around, we, we're dealing with the book of Acts. Uh, we've been journeying through the, the sort of introductory chapters. Um, and sort of the question we asked at the very beginning is, why do we do that? Why do we do certain things in church? Sorry, I felt off center there. Why do we, uh, Acts 2 verse 42, why do we pray? Why do we get together? Why do we worship? Why do we do all these different things that just become sort of like church tradition? And it's you just carry on doing the same thing over and over. Um, but we see in the book of Acts, Jesus, uh, before that, he, he dies, he, he resurrects. They go check his tomb and it's empty. And Jesus is with the disciples for one last time and instructs them to wait in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit's going to come. The Spirit's going to come to guide them and lead them into everything that he had spent the whole gospel's teaching. And he sort of t- take, takes what they understood of, of, of life and following Jesus and turns the whole, the whole thing upside down. And we see the church is started. And then what happens in Acts has a ripple effect into the whole um, of church history. And, and we are part of that. We, we get to be byproducts of what took place in the, in the book of Acts in Jerusalem. Although the gospel is informative, it, it informs us about Jesus. The purpose of the Acts, of the book of Acts, is to show the transformative, how the gospel transforms, transforms people's lives from, from sin into people who love Jesus through demonstrations of the kingdom. And the first demonstration we see in Acts, in Acts 1 verse 8, the Spirit is promised and then is poured out and then this church in Acts 2 verse 42 is sort of, what do we do now? Now that we're all saved, what do we do? Imagine having that problem. We all know Jesus now, what do we do? Uh, we're trying to get people, yeah, to get them saved. They had the opposite. They had a whole bunch of people. 3,000 people got saved. And so what do we do now? And then church start introdu- the, the church um, concept of church is sort of introduced. So really, it's not just good ideas. This is not just a, a book of good ideas. Really, Acts, the, fun, the, 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 the beginning of Acts are the fundamentals of why church is important and why we do this. And today we're dealing with, a, with an interesting passage. Um, it's Acts 3. And uh, sort of what we're looking at is, why do we pray for people? Have you ever thought about that? Why do we pray? Why do we lay hands? Why do we, why do we, why do we focus on praying for people? And really the, the heart behind this is that Jesus spent, and, and the disciples were waiting in that room. They spent some time waiting. They spent some time uh, uh, trusting for the Spirit to be poured out. The Spirit's poured out. Peter preaches. People get saved. They get instruction on what to do in Acts 2 verse 42. Uh, and to the end of Acts 2, but now Acts 3 comes, and it's like, okay, now let's start being the church. So it switches from a, okay, this is the instructions on the church, to now we see the church actually doing what they're supposed to do. And it, and it hinges on praying for people. It hinges on being aware of other people and not yourself. It hinges on... Living a life that's not just focused on 
ticking a box and going to church, but being aware of every day as we live, Jesus wants to, through the Holy Spirit, invade our circumstances to see his kingdom come. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, not your will, or we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done on, an, on earth as it is in heaven. So we see heaven. God's glory is in heaven, right? Amen? Amen. We see the writers in scripture trying to figure out and have glimpses into heaven, trying to describe it. And they use jewels and they use glory and they use gold and they use, you know, Moses sees God's back and he's blinded and he's glowing. I really enjoy Dragon Ball Z. If you don't know what Dragon Ball Z is, I'm sorry, this analogy will not do well on you, but uh, they glow in Dragon Ball Z. They, they, there's this great comic of just this person glowing and filled with some other glory. We're not going to go down that road, but it's this evidence that you've been with Jesus. That you've been, been with God, you encountered God. Now we're in the exact same place. Acts 3. They've encountered the Spirit. They've been filled with the Spirit. Now what changes? What's going to be different? So you don't have to hear my voice the whole time. I'm going to ask Jesus to come read um, Acts 3. We're going to look at the whole of Acts 3. It's going to be on the screen. But if you have a Bible, turn in your Bible. I, the reason why, it doesn't matter if, it, if it's electronic, that's fine. I'm not, I'm, not going, I'm not going to say get super old school and have to have your Bible and turn as, as much as it's good to hear the pages turn. Um, but I want you to see it for yourself because even though it's, it's on the screen and it will be there, God might be just highlighting something to you that you can take note of. So if you want to open your Bible to Acts 3, and uh, Jess is going to read the whole of Acts 3. Hi, guys. Um, okay, Acts 3. Now, now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and, the, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask the alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him up by the hand, right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he address the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. 
Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Thank you. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> let's take, a, let's take a, a bigger view at the book of Acts. And I don't know if you're aware of this. Maybe you will be now. There's a pattern that's sort of unfolding. And this pattern repeats itself over and over and over and over and over and over again in the book of Acts. But sort of the church loses its way. And I think it's a pattern that's lost in the church today. And the pattern's this. We wait for God to do something. God does something. The gospel's preached. And thousands are added to their numbers daily. So look at, look at the beginning of the book of Acts. Jesus says, wait, the promise of the Spirit's going to come. The Holy Spirit's poured out. Peter preaches the gospel. 5,000 people are saved. We see now, they, they're leaving sort of this, this moment where the whole church comes together. And the first thing they do is they counter this lame man, this beggar. Don't have anything else other than Jesus to give you. I pray for him. He raises up. He gets healed. What's Peter's first reaction? Preach the gospel. Explain the gospel to them. Explain the gospel to everyone and what's taken place. It's not me. It's not what I've done. And then if you go to Acts 4 verses 4, and it says this. It says, uh, Acts 4, 4 verse 4, But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So 3,000 the one day, 5,000 the next day, we would like to see some of that church growth. I think like every church growth expert's like those kind of numbers are just unreal. I don't think we've seen that in our in our lifetime or maybe at revivals. And it's a pattern that happens. Life happens. God invades life. Jesus through his spirit invades ordinary people doing ordinary things. Whether it's a healing, whether it's a sign, whether it's a wonder, whether it's a miracle. Something happens, and what the disciples choose to do is not get the glory for what's happened, but to point to Jesus and say, it's all because of Him through the Spirit who's, who, who's using me to do that, and people get saved. Now, if we fast forward all the way to 2023, I think we got the, the pattern wrong a bit. We'll wait and trust for those moments. The Spirit's poured out, people get healed, people get saved, signs, wonders, and miracles happen. If you don't believe in that, we can, we can speak about that afterwards. But throughout, if, if you look around, there's, God's doing something, Jesus is doing something. 
He's revealing himself in amazing ways. I have a friend who, who, uh, he told me a story about a small village, I think it was in the middle of India, and they had never seen Jesus, but for four days straight, projected onto the side of a building, was the story of Jesus. They don't know how or where it came from, but it was God revealing himself to that group of people. If you, if you spend time with people who, who, uh, do work in the, you know, in the third world countries of the, you know, the, 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 the places in Asia and Africa, where Sometimes the technology doesn't get in the way. God's revealing himself through dreams, through signs, through wonders. But what do we like to do? We like to push pause and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to set up a healing meeting. We're going to set up a healing school. Now you guys come and see what I've got. Because I want to give it to you. And everyone from around the world comes to that one person because something's happening in that place. And then maybe sometimes we take it to the extreme and we start selling what's going on and we you know, take my imprint. If I've laid my hands and someone gets killed and you've put it onto a shower cap, so now whenever you shower, you have my handprints on your head and you're trusting for something to happen. Or we sell cloths with handprints and we, we make this weird thing about what God just wanted to do with ordinary people. And we sort of damn up what God's wanting to actually do is us get out the way, point to Jesus, so 5,000 people can get added to the num our numbers daily. I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at. I have the privilege of leading this church. And I'm saying, God, I want to see demonstrations of your power in this city. Not for my glory. Not for Journey Church's glory. For Jesus. For his name to be glorified. I would love to see someone instantly healed. I'd love to see the dead raised. I'd love to see legs grow. I'd love to see cancers set, um, um, uh, people healed from cancer. I'd love to see all those things. Why? Because someone who encounters that cannot deny that Jesus is alive. If someone's legs grow, there's no way they're going to dispute the gospel. And if we witnesses of what's going on, we point to Jesus and say, it's because of him. And it's an opportunity to see the gospel, the kingdom of God, invade our ordinary lives. We can look at the world around us and we can look at how many problems there are. And there are so many problems. Mental illness, a physical illness, a wars and rumors of wars. There's so much that's going on. What are we going to do? Are we going to say, come here and we'll, we'll give it to you. Come to church, we'll give it to you. Or are we going to trust in our ordinary lives? God can invade our ordinary lives through his spirit and use us to be agents of seeing his kingdom come. That was all for free. It's not in my notes. <laughs> Let's get back to the notes. So that really is the point of the stories. The story of, 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 um, of the... Uh, Sorry, the lame beggar being healed is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to invade an ordinary situation for the gospel to be preached and people get saved. So we, we often speak about signs and wonders and miracles in, in church and there can be these like mystical words. Let's just break it down. A sign points to something or someone. It shows the way. A wonder 
produces wonder and amazement. So if we're trusting for signs and wonders, we're trusting for opportunities to point to Jesus. We're trusting for opportunities. Did I do something? There we go. We're trusting for opportunities where God's wonder overcomes everyone and Jesus is glorified. Amen? This is the way I look at it. And it's a value that I hold on to. It's we want to become people who are supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. What does that mean? It's supernaturally trusting that we can be supernaturally natural. So it's not, this is not like secret powers. This is not like Avengers stuff. It's not like Avengers symbol and we create this another like world order of, of, of your Jesus saving loving people. No, it's, it's, it's coming to terms that God wants to use us in our natural states. You, where you are, God wants to use you. And it's creating a lifestyle that's naturally supernatural. That when I go to work, when I get on the subway, it's not that I'm look, not trying to make eye contact with anyone like a typical New Yorker, but it's trusting that maybe God wants you to pray for someone so supernaturally in the natural world, you can encounter them. There's this acts, is the act of acts of the Holy Spirit. Really, if you, if you go, if we're just going to walk through, if you go from verse 6, it's, it's, but what do I have to give you? It's we don't have anything to give the world other than Jesus. The disciples knew that. They, that they knew that if we're going to, uh, um, one of the great authors, I think it's Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, when he speaks about church, he says this, if you create a carnival to attract people to church, you're going to have to create a carnival to keep people in church. So what does that mean? If we, if we create gimmicks to attract people to church, we're going to have to carry on coming up with the next latest thing to keep people in church. But if we follow what is biblical, if Jesus is drawing people into the church, we don't have to keep people in church. Jesus does. Does that mean we just step aside and do nothing? No, we want to be intentional. We want to point to Jesus. We want to highlight his kingdom. We want to be good stewards of the people that God's given us. Of the finances God's given us, of the talents and the gifts that God's given us. But we don't want to entertain people. We're going to point to Jesus and let Jesus captivate people's hearts. It's a it's a normal everyday. How many times did they did they pass that lame beggar? Every single time they went to now no, they had to go every day to the temple. So probably every day they were they were passing by. Every single day you're passing by friends, family, colleagues, and maybe tomorrow is the day that God wants to invade their natural life. Maybe tomorrow is the day where God wants you to step out in faith and pray for them. They, they, commentators say this lame beggar probably had been sitting at those gates for 40 years. There are people in our lives that are waiting for Jesus to encounter them for 40 years. Are we going to carry on just walking past them? Or are we going to be gripped with compassion like Jesus had and say, God, use me. Can the Holy Spirit just use my ordinary life, please? So we see the, the, the silver and gold of unknown. Nothing that I have. Just pray. All I can do is pray for him. 
Verse 11, while, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. Perfect opportunity for Peter, Peter's ministries internationals to start. Perfect opportunity. He had everyone's attention. But what is the first thing that Peter does? And Peter saw it in verse 12 and addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us? And he goes on and explains the gospel. He goes on and he preaches the gospel. As soon as Peter had an opportunity after just walking by and praying for him and him and John praying for this, this, this lame beggar, the, 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 the next opportunity he had, he gives God all the glory. He does not take any of the glory. Peter doesn't want to draw attention to himself. He doesn't want to do that. Remember, Peter had walked a horrible road of denying Jesus twice. And finally being reconciled back to Jesus. He had lived when he had turned his back on Jesus. And God revealed Jesus by his loving, gracious mercy, restored Peter back. And now Peter's testing comes. And what is he going to do? He's going to point people to Jesus. Not my glory, God's glory. And then Peter goes on and he, he, he creates this, uh, this interesting story of how he just explains the gospel. He, he creates this interesting scenario where he just unpacks what it means to be a Christian. He, uh, in verse 17, he says this, he says, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, ha, uh, he thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and turn back. He helps them understand that the Messiah was there. Jesus was there, but it's you who killed him. So you're looking for the creator of the miracles. You're looking for the Savior. The world is looking, but they don't want the true source. They don't want Jesus. He explains to them that that it's not. It, 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 this is the plan that has been there. Now this is a pattern. I love. This is like I don't know. I geek out by this kind of stuff because this is a pattern that you see in the whole Bible. Is God as the plan? Man messes up the plan. God redeems the plan, and what does man do? Messes up the plan. God redeems the plan. And it goes throughout the whole of the Old Testament. And the whole of the Old Testament is pointing to this Savior that one day will, will, will redeem everyone. This Messiah. The Messiah comes. He sets everything straight. But still, what does man do? Rejects the Messiah. Now why is this, a, why is this an interesting situation here? Geographically, let's take a step back. Old Testament, God reveals himself and God raises up a nation. He raises up a nation of Israel. And he said the seed of the gospel is going to come from that nation of Israel. Jesus is born. 
Jesus dies, he, he's resurrected, and they find themselves in Jerusalem. Jesus, his plan at that moment was to see the gospel impact the whole of Jerusalem. At that moment, he trusted, he was trusting for, for salvation to come and bring and impact that whole city. So the gospel in a healthy way, like we see in the, in, in, in the church in Ephesus and other churches, this church would encounter Jesus, the, the city would be set on fire and everyone would love Jesus. And then because there's another city that doesn't know Jesus, they plant a church. And they replicate that until the whole world's saved, right? We can see that in the Acts 1 verse 8. But what happens? The gospel's preached in Jerusalem. And if you know your church history, they reject the gospel. And God is not able to reconcile Egypt back into the kingdom. I mean, sorry, uh, Israel back into the kingdom. Thank you. Lovely wife. He's not able to restore Israel back into the kingdom of God. So what happens through persecution? The gospel, the, 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 uh, the um, disciples are sent out to Ephesus and to uh, uh, Corinth and all over the world. And then God's kingdom has to be established in those places. And then it has to go out to the ends of the, of the earth. I don't know where your theology is at. And I don't want to get there. But God, God's plan is perfect. And God had a plan where Israel was reconciled into the kingdom of God, where everyone was reconciled into the God, into the kingdom of God. And it wasn't about man's kingdom, it was about his kingdom. And those kingdoms, if you read the book of Acts, if you read Ephesians, it, 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 his, his desire was there's no more Jew, there's no more Gentile, there's no more slave, there's no more free, there's no more man, there's no more woman, there's no divisions in the kingdom of God, there's only one kingdom, and that is His. And He wanted to use geographical ways to do that, but man rejected Jesus. So He created another way to see His kingdom come and His will be done. It's important to see these things. Because we're in a world that wants to distract away from what Jesus is wanting to do. He still wants to establish his kingdom. A kingdom that is not divided. A kingdom that is not pro one thing and against another thing. Is not uh, you can be part of it and you can't be part of it because of whatever. No, it's a kingdom that embraces everyone because everyone under Jesus is free. So there's only two ways that we see the world. This is the only way you're able to see division in your, in your mind. It is people that are saved in the kingdom of God and people that are going to be saved. So you're either in the kingdom or you're going to become part of the kingdom. That's the only, only determination, only separation we should see in our minds. Those who are part of Part of God's kingdom and those who are almost going to become part of God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. Guys, this is such an important thing because this has separated the churches from the beginning. From the beginning, Jesus was, 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 was not accepted. 
So God's plan of reconciliation to go out was not taking place. And we're still dealing with the same issues. Okay, so if you read the rest of this, what we did, the rest of this book of Acts, um, this whole part that he speaks about the Old Testament is Jesus, uh, uh, sorry, Peter is looking at uh, how Jesus has, has has um, fulfilled Deuteronomy 8. It's the promise that if you want to go read Deuteronomy 8 and see this prophecy of the Messiah, you can you can look back into what Peter's saying and he fulfills that prophecy. But there's this promise of the gospel. What is the gospel promise? There's a slide there. The first thing that the gospel promises... Sorry, let me just get it up. Uh, there we go. I have, a, I have a habit of changing my slides and not my notes. And then I'm like... I've got the wrong thing. But the first thing is our sins are blotted out. So the first promise of this gospel is God doesn't look at your sin. He looks at Jesus. You are saved. Your sins are forgiven. The next thing is the Lord will renew us. Is this the sanctification? Is that he's not just going to leave you and say, well, okay, now that you're saved, he's going to leave you there and try and figure it out. No, you're going to work at your salvation. There's going to be this work, this renewing of your life to become more like Jesus. The third thing is this is a life-giving relationship. Is When we are saved, we are brought into relationship with Jesus that brings life. Every single time we spend time with Jesus, more of Jesus' life is filling us. And we, we're able to live with that. And the third thing is we'll be restored. God's glory, glorification, will be restored into the kingdom. That's our hope, is that we're not left as orphans, that we are in God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Then, the next thing. So that is the promise of the life that we have because of Jesus in the gospel. The challenge of the gospel. So the challenge of the gospel is uh, is this. Repent, listen, obey, replicate. So when we encounter Jesus, when the gospel encounters us, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't qualify from this ever. The only time you qualify from this is when you're in heaven. As long as we are, 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 are saved, as long as we are on earth, we are still connected with the challenge of the gospel. We, we repent and we are saved once. I get that. But we have to remind ourselves we're saved sometimes. Because our actions don't demonstrate that. But we listen to what Jesus is saying as we draw closer to Jesus. As he renews us. We listen to what he is saying and we obey. If you have kids, you know that's where the disconnect comes from, right? My kids listen to me. And sometimes that's where it's left. Maybe the listening takes about five times. But we trust and we hope that one day the listening turns to obedience. And that's us. Is we often listen and we can see and we can read and see that that's what God wants. But we struggle with the obedience. And then we repeat the process to someone else. We introduce someone else to the Lord. And we see them encounter Jesus and repent. And then we, encounter, we see them listen to Jesus and, and read His Word and obey that and see that it works out. And then we replicate and we see it over and over and over and over. And even for ourselves, if we encounter Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, we are saved. What do we do? We, if you're like me, you repent daily.
the response. What response do we have? Through the story, there's a few responses we can have. The first one is Peter and John. You might be saved. You might know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You might have listened and understood a lot. God's calling us to obey. God's calling us to take our ordinary lives and He wants to breathe His life into them so we can see signs, wonders, and miracles. There are many crippled beggars in our lives. It might not be trusting for physical healing because that might not be where your faith is. I'm not saying we have to go pray for every sick person. I think we should though. We should always be someone sick. We should, the first response we should, can I pray for you? But I, I know that if, if you're following Jesus, there are many opportunities where whatever the crippled beggar represents, that God's creating opportunities for us and opening doors for us to step into to see his kingdom demonstrated. Peter and John had walked past the crippled beggar many times. How many times are we going to carry on walking past the crippled beggars in our lives before we're going to stop and see God do something through his spirit? Maybe you're the beggar. Maybe you're the crippled beggar and you're desperate to see God do something. For 40 years, you've been living with something. You are struggling, you are, are struggling to, you sort of see, get a touch from Jesus, you want to get this power, you want to be healed, you want to be set free, you want to be delivered, whatever it is. Maybe you're the beggar. Well, today, I have faith to pray for you. Today, I'm asking you just to come to me and we can, we can, we can, we can pray. We can pray that God does something in your life. But it wasn't just saved and then Peter and John went off and they, I mean, killed and then Peter and John went off. No, because of God encountering, they gave him the gospel. They showed him what it means to follow Christ. So God wants to invade our physical circumstances. He wants to make his kingdom known. But more than that, he wants to see us saved. It's okay to have a knowledge. It's okay to have an understanding of this might be a good idea. No, it is the idea. It requires change. It requires us to say no to our previous life and yes to Jesus. And then the onlookers. There was a whole group of people. There's a whole bunch of people. What do they do? Again, they have an opportunity. As Peter's preaching the gospel, are we going to believe in the miracle that's taken place and that Jesus is alive and that he wants to save and set people free? Or are we going to choose to have a hard heart and be judgmental and say, well, something else is happening there. And then maybe you're the 5,000, part of the 5,000 that gets saved. The church that I see, what are we doing with the gospel? What are we doing? Because Peter and John stepped out, but there's a whole bunch of disciples that maybe didn't step out in this situation. What are we going to do? Be part of the 5,000 that gets saved? God, this gospel is not a let me sit and spectate. It's a let me participate every single day as I get up. We say we want to go on mission with God. And yes, we want to go to the ends of the earth. And it's sometimes easier for us to go preach the gospel to people who are desperately needing it. 
but you're on mission every single time you wake up and your feet touch the floor. You're on mission with Christ. So I'm going to pray for us generally. But I want to ask you, if you need prayer, come. I'll, I'll, I'm going to, myself and my wife, are going to try to stay here in the front. And we want to pray for people if you want prayer. Just want to trust that wherever you are in this situation, that God can, can speak to you, reveal himself to you. Amen. 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 Thank you. Lord God, we thank you for today. For some of us, it might be a hard word to hear. But I pray the seed will fall on good soil. I pray for our hearts. Our hearts will be open. They won't be hard. I pray that the seed, that the seed bears fruit. I pray that the roots of the gospel will run deep. That it's not about a God, it's about Jesus. Holy Spirit, may you just fill people's hearts with boldness and courage to step out and say, I want to, I want to count for the kingdom. I want to do something. And even more so, I want to trust you that you can heal me, that you can set me free for unforgiveness, for, um, for restoration in relationships, whatever, whatever the lame beggar in our lives is, Lord God, we want to trust that you, through the Spirit, can give us the faith to trust that you can change that situation. Let us be aware of the people around us, Lord God, the people that you have us interact with every single day, Lord God. That we can not just walk by them for 40 years, but Lord God, that we can just take a moment and be, and be sensitive to your Spirit leading and guiding us, Lord God. We love you, our King. Amen. Amen.